Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. On Wednesday, the first phase of the Bihar elections is scheduled to take place. All eyes are on Nitish Kumar, who has been the chief minister of the state for 15 years now. His party, the JDU, that is the Janta Dal United, is in par with an alliance with the BJP. This alliance, however, now appears to have cracks. Plus, JDU's main opponent, the Rashtra Janta Dal, has now tied up with the Congress and the left parties in the state, giving it a strong opposition. Now, as part of his campaign, one thing that Nitish Kumar has been stressing on is how things were in the state before he came to power. Back when Lalu Prasad Yadav of the RJD had been the chief minister. Lalu, like Nitish, had also been in power for 15 years. And his tenure was filled with controversies, scandals and mismanagement. In his first rally this time, Nitish Kumar made an appeal that a comparison should be made between his 15 years and Lalu's 15 years. And that young people should be reminded of this. We will say to all the in other rallies too, he has reminded people of Lalu's jungle Raj tenure. A time when he says that people were afraid to get out of the houses at night and when kidnappings were rampant. बिहार का खास करके इलाकों का क्या हाल था शाम के बाद किसी को घर से बाहर निकलने की हिम्मत थी कितनी घटनाएं घटती थी सामूहिक नरसंहार का लोग धन लेने के लिए जो अपहरण करते थे लेकिन जब आप लोगों ने काम करने का मौका दिया तो हम लोगों ने कानून का राज कायम किया जंगल राज से मुक्ति दिलाई in a previous episode, we had talked about how Nitish Kumar's image had been associated with that of Sushasan Babu. Sushasan meaning good governance. And that is what he is hoping would work in his favour now. In this episode, we focus on what Nitish has been trying to emphasise. We look at what are some of the biggest developments that have happened under his tenure, whether those will be enough to get him re-elected this time, and the kind of anti-incumbency he is facing right now. And for this, we first hear from Santosh Singh, who reports on Bihar for the Indian Express and who has covered multiple elections in the state. We had actually spoken to him while he was travelling across the state, so you might hear some sounds from the highway. When Nitish Kumar took over in 2005, he would often say, I have taken legacy of a Remington typewriter. What he meant to say, the government offices, you know, was in bad shape. It had Remington typewriters, no computerization, no science of governance, no infrastructure. So he had to start from the scratch. So he wanted to do the basic first. When I say basics, he did roads, bridges. So there was a wide network of roads and bridges that actually came up during his first term and second term all across the state. Nitish had focused a lot on infrastructure then. And apart from this, he had also focused on the law and order in the state, which we are going to talk about in a lot more detail later. 
Then there were also plans to reform the school system and hospitals. Santosh says that people started to trust in Nitish Kumar's governance and that the response after his first term was overwhelming, especially considering how things were during the Lalu administration. The first term, I, if I correctly remember, there had been overwhelming reception to everything. There had been disillusionment. People wanted a break and there was no forward-looking growth, no vision in governance. So when Nitish Kumar came, it was a big relief. Santosh says that after his first term, Nitish Kumar tried to build on what he had done previously. Though his next major development initiative came in his third term. And in that, he focused on electricity. I remember three and four hours electricity in a village was like a boon, something like manna from heaven. But now every Bihar district is connected with electricity. Great connection. And there is uh, some uh, 20 to 22 hour power supply everywhere. That is his big achievement. And campaigning for the elections now, Santosh says Nitish is promising that he would ensure irrigation in every field. So first he focused on roads, then electricity, and now he's focusing on water, which are all just the very basics of development. That is where his fault lies. He's not offering the second level of development. No industrial growth, no institute of excellence, no good engineering college or medical college. So there was no second level of development in Bihar. It had been enough of comparing Nitish with Lalu Prasad, Nitish Kumar, to compare his development to model with those of models presented by Gujarat government, Maharashtra government, Karnataka government. So we are not doing that. Nitish Kumar is comfortable comparing himself with Lalu to get political mileage and advantage. During his conversations with people in the state, they told him just that. They said things like for the past 15 years, he has worked on roads, drinking water and electricity. Now he wants another term to give water to every field. Will he need another 50 years to create jobs and check migration? Also, Santosh points out that despite having plans to reform government schools in his first term, he didn't manage to do it. In terms of educational reform, Muchkun Dubey Committee you know, had submitted its report on common school system. And government had, it was somewhere during its first term, and it, government had the principal secretary education, Madan Mohanja, who was also Nitish Kumar's friend. And complete plan had been laid out to implement the system. But I think somewhere under the pressure of uh, some private school lobby, government could not uh, implement that system. Had that happened, it would have been a trendsetter. Uh, not for just for Bihar, for the interest of the country. He says that there were also plans to work on land reforms, but they met a similar fate too. He does have vision. He does want to do things. But again, he ends up being a practicing politician with constraints. Now, when comparing his 15 years to Lalu's, one point Nitish has stressed upon extensively is law and order. He has been warning people that if he is not voted back, then they will see the Gunda Raj of the old days. Let's not forget, Lalu's regime had become synonymous with crime. That's Deepti Mantiwari. He reports on government agencies and matters of corruption for the Indian Express. There were daylight kidnappings, murders, robbery, loot. Police was nowhere to be seen. That was the sense during the Lalu regime, if you visited the ground there. And in Nitish regime, when he came to power, 
the first five years, law and order made uh, the maximum news because of a number of arrests. A lot of encounters also happened in uh, Bihar. And the general sense was that crime has gone down. The opposition, however, during this campaign has been alleging that the law and order situation in Bihar is deteriorating day by day. Now, keeping all this in mind, Deeptiman looked at the data to find out whether that was actually happening and to what extent crime had reduced in Nitish's tenure as compared to that of Lalu. So what we have done is we have compared Nitish's regime not only with Lalu's regime, as far as data is concerned, but also with his own regime, which means we have taken three years, that is 2004, which was the last year of Lalu's regime. Rabi Devi was the chief minister at that time. Then we have taken 2009, when Nitish had completed one term, and in 2010, he won with a landslide victory, largely on the plank of law and order. And then 2019, when he is going for his third term, and there is some bit of anti-incumbency tugging at him. So these are the three years that Deeptiman looked at. But before he talks about this data, he gives a disclaimer. Crime data of any state, any place, any country may or may not reflect the ground situation because data largely reflects the number of cases registered by police. In a country like India, there are many states where the police force is notorious for not registering FIRs. So in many places, you may find that the sense of crime on the ground is very high, but it is not reflected in the data because the police is not registering FIRs. So at times, there is an argument made that a high crime rate or high number of crimes is probably equal to good policing because it means that crimes are being reported, they are being registered and investigated. That is why one must always collect crime data with a sense from the ground as to how people feel about law and order situation in a particular state. Now, having said that, Deepthiman explains that while going through the data, they looked at violent crimes like murder, attempt to murder, kidnapping and rape, along with robbery and dacoity. These, he says, were the pet peeves of Lalu's regime. He starts by talking about murder and how Nitish's regime has fared on this. Now, if we just look at the data and compare 2004 to 2019, uh, Nitish has done extremely well as far as murders are concerned. Now, if we look at nationally, murders have gone down by 16% between 2004 and 2019. In Bihar, they have gone down by 21%. So that in many ways is a good performance. Now, let me add here that murders are a very good pointer to law and order in any state. It's because it is very difficult to ignore a dead body. The police cannot say we will not register an FIR when there is a dead body in front of them. So generally, it is believed that if murders are going down at a certain place as reflected in the data, then that data is correct and believable. And so there is better policing. Now, while murders went down in Nitish's regime, Deeptiman points out that attempt to murder cases went up exponentially during his regime in Bihar between 2004 and 2019. Compared to his own regime in 2009, attempt to murders have risen very high. Between 2004 and 2019, 
they have risen by 148 percent between 2009 and 2019 they have risen by 143 percent so that's quite a bit and reflects that all may not be well with bihar's law and order and when the opposition is saying that it is deteriorating then probably they have some point the other major problem that had plagued the lalu prasad tenure had been that of kidnapping during a conversation with santosh singh he had pointed out that filmmaker prakash jha had even made the film aparan which was set in the backdrop of the kidnapping industry in bihar now if we look at the overall data kidnappings have actually risen almost three times between 2004 and 2019 however one must look at the granular data of kidnapping and kidnappings are generally the state crime records bureau and the national crime records bureau they generally divide this data into kidnapping of women and girls and kidnapping for other reasons now kidnapping of women and girls is specially categorized because in india under age girls or women you know elope for marriage and the parents of the girls generally go and file a complaint of kidnapping most of the times these cases end up nowhere because the marriage has happened people get protection of the courts and the law marriage is registered and then the cases are taken back so these cases are not considered to be a real reflection of law and order in a place it's kidnapping for ransom or kidnapping for murder or kidnapping for any other reason which is considered to be a serious offense that is why it is very important to look at how high kidnapping for ransom or kidnapping for other reasons other than women and girls is there in a state so that in nitish's regime has plummeted and that is nitish's greatest success if you look at lalu regime kidnapping for other reasons was extremely high as a proportion it was more than 70% of total kidnappings and only between 20 to 30% of kidnappings were of women this is being completely reversed in nitish's regime both in 2009 and 2019 and that has been nitish's greatest success in fact in 2019 there were only 43 kidnapping cases for ransom so that way this has been a great great success of nitish regime apart from this the number of rape cases have reduced and dacoity in the state has gone down by 70% robberies however have gone up by 43% but overall it appears that law and order has improved now state police often point out that uh, look this is because during lalu regime there weren't enough policemen in police stations and police stations were in fact being run by home guards there were no weapons and there were no vehicles so police had no where with all to actually handle law and order and during nitish's regime they say that you know the strength at police stations has gone up almost four times however if we look at the data yes indeed from lalu regime to nitish's regime the sanctioned strength of police in bihar has gone from 86000 to 1.4 lakh however vacancies remain extremely high he points out that since 2009 police vacancies have actually increased in the state indicating that often recruitment is not happening in bihar and this is also reflected in the police population ratio of the state bihar has the worst police population ratio in the country 
at 81 policemen per 1 lakh people, Bihar is doing really poorly on this index because the UN mandated police population ratio is around 220. So Bihar is less than 40%. Deepthiman says that this is a sign that state government is just not prioritizing this issue. So one of the reasons in any state that, you know, police strength suffers is because state governments do not prioritize policing. Policing has traditionally had lowest expenditure from the government. Most of the expenditure, and I'm talking about capital expenditure, I'm not talking about expenditure on salaries. You know, those are fixed expenditures. Very little infusion of capital is made into policing because that is not a priority for any state. You know, if you look at some of the sectors, such as health sector and education, again, you will see in many states, this suffers. Barring the prosperous states of South or in the Western India, you will see that health and education suffers. Policing suffers almost everywhere. Though the other thing to note is that there is no data available on what police vacancies were like in Lalu Yadav's tenure. But while talking to people and officers in the state, he says, it does appear that despite police vacancies being high right now, things are still better than what they were before Nitish came to power. But just because that's the case, Deeptiman says, it still doesn't really work in Nitish's favor. You know, voters' aspirations keep on increasing. So you can't always keep saying that, look what happened in Lalu regime, what I did now. People will always say that, look, you've been there for 15 years. Okay, you tell us what you've done in past five years. Don't tell us what you did 15 years ago. So that is why, you know, you have the phenomenon of anti-incumbency. And so how much anti-incumbency is Nitish facing right now? We will talk more about that after this short break. Dear listeners, before we move on to the rest of the show, I just wanted your quick attention. One of the big reasons people say they like this show is because it helps them understand the news better. It provides them with the context they need to see the bigger picture. And there is perhaps no other place that does that better than Indian Express's explained section. We on three things refer to the section regularly and it helps us make this show. If you're a regular reader of Indian Express, you know how useful the explained section can be, especially when you're looking for in-depth analysis by the right experts. You can log on to indianexpress.com slash explained and access the coverage 24-7. Explained by Indian Express, where news that matters is explained by experts who know the subject. Now, back to the show. So if we were to take an overview... Nitish Kumar had delivered the basics when it comes to infrastructure and facilities like better roads, drinking water and electricity. But since he has done this in the span of 15 years, people expect a lot more now. And while he clearly could have done a lot more, he has improved law and order in the state as compared to Lalu's term. I don't think Nitish Kumar will ever lose the legacy of being someone that, you know, brought some change to Bihar. Question is the electoral longevity of those achievements and when were they achieved. That's Dipankar Ghosh. He has been reporting on Bihar for the newspaper and he points out that there is clear anti-incumbency against Nitish Kumar. There is a general consensus that Nitish hasn't really done a lot of work past his first term and his popularity has gradually degraded. I don't think... Nitish has ever been as unpopular on the ground as he is right now. So whether electoral politics or coalition politics takes him through, 
I think it's clear that Nitish is not the vote-pulling force he once was. So if you look at 15 years versus 15 years, that's okay. But the RJD has kind of been pointing out that that by itself is an admission of weakness. It is you saying that I cannot therefore count great things I have done in the last five years. So I am being forced to go backwards in time to compare 15 years versus 15 years. And that's an issue. But even apart from the things that he has done a while back, there are also things that didn't work and that are now creating problems. This includes the major decision he took in 2016 to ban alcohol in the state. Now, uh, there were certain constituencies that seemed to be very loyal to Nitish Kumar because of these things. Women, for instance, there was a huge push for, from women for prohibition because this was a state where there was lots of alcohol consumption coupled with hard labor. There was a lot of drinking that would happen in the villages, led to domestic abuse, led to domestic violence, etc. So when prohibition came, and this is already when Nitish Kumar has given things like reservations for 50% of women in panchayats, and other schemes like that for girl children uh, cycles etc so women were very you know almost sometimes going above caste to vote for nitish kumar but he says that this constituency is breaking because prohibition has not worked on the ground there is now a parallel economy and middlemen are the ones that operate it anywhere you go patna ara betia wherever in bihar you will there is no place that you will go where people will say you will not get alcohol you will get it it will be more expensive perhaps worse quality and now it is being delivered in homes so women are now i mean that abuse still goes on dipankar points out that prohibition for nitish had been his last big announcement one that had pulled in voters and changed narratives but in his campaign now there is absolutely no mention of it because I think they are aware that prohibition is not getting the positive traction on the ground because it has led to other problems and it has led to a parallel economy. And I think in the voters' mind, if prohibition was something that they connected the chief minister's governance mechanism with, that isn't coming across as a spectacular success. So that's one issue. The other issue Dipankar points to is the severe economic distress that the state has been facing post the lockdown. And while this issue had been affecting people before as well, things now are much worse. So people are yet to return to their normal levels of poverty. Let us say if you're a manual laborer. If you're a manual laborer, you earn 400 rupees a day for 20 days in the month, pre-March. That was a level of poverty which is bad enough. But that is something you have kind of made your peace with. Now you are earning 400 rupees for two days in the month. That level of economic distress is not amenable to you know voting for a government and it kind of always leads to anger against an incumbent apart from the economic distress the migrant crisis which also happened because of the lockdown is something that is on the minds of the voters more than 28 lakh migrant workers had returned to bihar from cities like delhi and mumbai many of them by foot and they feel that the nitish kumar government didn't do enough for them the JDU tries to fight that narrative by saying that we didn't say that you couldn't come back home. It was the centre that said it was not advisable to come back. And if the centre had changed its guidelines, then they would have helped the migrants sooner. But on the ground, there is this very clear perception that when the lockdown was first announced and people started walking home, that Nitish Kumar was reluctant for their migrant workers to come back home. They will also, for instance, you will hear... Uh, these workers say that, you know, when we were standing at 
let us say for an example in delhi at the anand vihar bus terminal we were waiting to go to bihar and there was no way no sadhan there was absolutely nothing nitish kumar didn't want us to come home but there were other chief ministers that were more proactive for instance they will say yogi adityanath sent buses from up and ashok gelot sent buses from rajasthan and these people were arranging for their people to go home hemant soren was arranging flights but nitish kumar did nothing nitish kumar was late in calling trains was late in showing that he wanted people to come back so that's one sentiment you will find on the ground another issue that he points out is that many poor people in the state feel that nitish hasn't done enough for them particularly during the lockdown they say for instance that sure we got 5 kilos of ration but that was it all we were eating was roti and namak that there was no relief coming from the government a poor person's life became very very difficult to lead now you will also find people saying look at potatoes are 80 rupees a kilogram who can buy it how can a poor person buy it they will then say that you know there was this promise of three decimals of land to landless in bihar and they will say that you know the government says it has given it to a huge majority of these landless people but they will say on the ground it has actually not come so there is this sense that among the poor service delivery hasn't been great uh, that it is mired in petty corruption that it's that even if it comes from the state government unki vyavastha mein kami hai that there is a problem in their government infrastructure of it reaching to the poorest of the poor and this seems to be a considerable shift from the good governance image that nitish had earlier Dipankar says that in this regard he has also heard from people that the work in the state seems to have been done only for certain castes and not the others so what they used to you know blame lalu for which is only the yadavs got some work done that is happening now with you know kurmis and caste that back nitish kumar or the upper castes the other issue hurting his chances now is that unlike previous elections there is no one big promise that nitish is making plus dipankar says that there is a general fatigue that has set in i mean let us not run away from the fact that he is a three term chief minister uh, it is very difficult in india for somebody to win four terms there is always anti incumbency that generates over time so you will found chief ministers that are very well regarded still losing their fourth election sekh shivraj singh chauhan in madhya pradesh raman singh in chatisgarh these guys lost their fourth election despite I mean despite being decent chief ministers in their own right or whatever the assessment at least was that the fourth election became very difficult but even apart from that dipankar says that this is actually a bad time for any government in india to fight an election because your economic distress is so high that people's incomes have taken a really solid dip especially the poor and despite the facade of normalcy they have not come back to normal at all in a time like that it is very difficult for a human being to kind of pick himself up and continue to vote for the incumbent government and that's a very big problem so whatever wounds that you had of unemployment ki yahan pe there is no industry there is no work we had to walk back home uh, we are having to go back again there is no money in the houses all of those wounds have kind of opened up and these are cutting across caste a little bit um so you will also find women that are angry also at prohibition becoming a parallel economy but also telling you that you know a husband is going hungry so i am the mother at home and there's no money at home i have had to see my children go hungry at night only feed them once now that's not an you have to be a really staunch 
Nitish or whatever, or a party supporter, to then continue to go vote for the government. So that is kind of fighting against the narrative that Nitish wants, that he's done well for women. And at the time when Nitish is fighting all these intrinsic issues of his popularity going down over time, with people thinking he only really worked during his first term, that he didn't do enough during the lockdown, with women voters losing faith in him over prohibition not working, with people thinking that his government has only worked on the development of certain castes, and when a general fatigue is setting in after his three terms. And at that time, Dipankar says, things are also not going well between JDU and its alliance partner, the BJP at a time when they should be fighting all these issues together. There are rumours that BJP is looking to move out of the alliance if it gets more votes and might look to ally with the LJP, that is the Lok Jan Shakti party, which is fighting alone and is contesting everywhere JDU is. What that has also meant is that there is huge distrust between the JDU and the BJP, not only on the ground, but also in the state leaders. They may not admit it, but I know that they're kind of psychoanalyzing everything that the BJP does with a magnifying glass to see, you know, are they still pushing the LJP? Is there a hidden agenda here? So there's not a, it's not an organization that is pulling in the same direction. On the ground, at the state level, uh, you can see, despite public utterances from the BJP leadership, there is still a problem if, you know, you're a person with the RSS for 35 years or the BJP with the 30 years is now fighting on an LJP ticket and has taken the entire BJP card over them. Now, that's not a secret. You can see it. So, so can the JDU. So, that has led to a lot of distrust. So, it's not an alliance that is fighting anti-incumbency and all of that, firefighting, all pulling in one direction. And in contrast to this, he says the Mahagadbandan, which is between the RJD, the Congress and the left parties, is all working together right now. Dipankar says that arithmetically, if we were to look at their voter base, the JDU and the BJP have an edge over the Mahagadbandan. There appears to be a 10% gap. But like mentioned earlier, Nitish is also facing a lot of issues that could close that gap. So what they have with them is a powerful argument of the caste arithmetic. There are lots of these other electoral factors that seem to be pretty damaging for Nitish. And basically that you know, leading to at least some people definitely shifting away. Question is that, are they shifting away enough for a government change? That, of course, we'll find out on November 10th. You were listening to Three Things by the Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and as always was edited and mixed by our producer, Joshua Thomas. Before we go, here's another reminder to check out Indian Express's Explain section. You can log on to indianexpress.com slash explain and find in-depth analysis by the right experts. It has everything you need to know to understand the news better and see the bigger picture. If you like this show, then you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it. Share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can also tweet us at Express Audio and write to us at podcast at indianexpress.com.